our music. Do we? Yeah, we lost our music a while ago, but now we got it. No way. Who lost our music? I can't hear it. Huh? They can. Alright, good. What's going on, guys? Solid, man. All right, well, welcome back to uh, VRS TV Live, right? Yeah. Every Monday? Every Monday. Three o'clock. Last couple Mondays, uh, last Monday was mine, mm -hmm. uh, solo. They left me in New York at Reef Palooza. Yeah. They left me behind, so... It's okay, uh, we gave away his money. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what did somebody win last week? Um, hmm. I think it was, like, right at 500 bucks. Um... An order or wish list, I forget. Alright, we'll move on quick. Now let's get to the meat of this. So today we're going to put together a uh, calcium reactor. Uh, we already could put some of them together, but we're going to talk about what goes into it a little bit in real time, just a piece of piece. You can answer some questions that go along. Hey Jacob, hello. Different set here, as you can see. We're mm -hmm. uh, we're sitting down a little closer to the 160, a little intimate, you know? So, oh, there yeah. you go. Ryan hurt his foot, so uh, <laughs> I don't know, I can't, I can't move around, so I gotta sit down. Uh, all right, so hey, uh, as we do, give away stuff every week, and the first one we're gonna give away, or the only one, is to Jeff Kennedy from Goodills, uh, Michigan. 500 bucks to your wish list. Boom. Ooh, if you wanna be that person, uh, join uh, Preferred Reefer, a little uh, tab, uh, just about everywhere on the website, in the header, footer, on the product pages. Become a preferred reefer, put up to 500 bucks in your cart, win that, or uh, your last order, you know, those things too. Yeah, he had a Radeon, just a oh, yeah. uh, Radeon XR30. Oh, and so, a magnet, cleaner, flipper. Yeah. Right on, man. XR30 and a flipper. That'll so help. I do, 500 bucks, right on, man. Yeah, actually, you know, it goes back to his account points, so he gets to buy something new. Maybe another Radeon. Sweet. Right on, man. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're going to get to the meat of it. So anybody here want to learn about a custom reactor, how to put it in? I mean, raise your hand or give us thumbs up or something. I think we've been saying that we were going to put this calcium reactor on the BRS-160 for some time now. I don't know. You know, it's amazing when you're producing like eight videos a week now, like how little time you have to do anything else. <laughs> uh, you know, I was trying to talk to the, the team the other day. I'm like, yeah, so, so it should be like third leader of the company, third uh, leader to my department, and like third content, but it's like 80% content at the moment. Yeah. So like we're just burning out stuff. Man. I don't know if you'll release realize but every Wednesday we're putting out three new videos we got this one on Monday we got uh, Friday's investigates and we're working on like a product review thing too trying to throw that in the mix oh my gosh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, meanwhile I was trying to produce a, like a, a presentation we did one in Reef, uh, Reef Palooza New yeah York. a lot of people watched it 22,000 people saw yeah, it yeah I saw that I know, that's, I pretty good, that's a pretty good weekend for it mm. but uh, a lot of good reception too warm reception for it I, don't know. I think it went oh, pretty good uh, hopefully I'll do another one sometime I don't know yeah, right now yeah. All right, man. So, uh, calcium reactor. So, we're going to just kind of talk about what it is. We're going to install it on the 160 here for the most part, and you get to follow on. We're also going to talk about some of the different concepts uh, as we do it in real time and how it applies, I guess, to this system here. Yeah. Uh, you can take that away, decide if you want this thing for your system, or if you did already, yeah. how, how you adjust it. I don't know. You know. Well, the first thing we need to talk about is what, what we're going to use like mm -hmm. for this. So, I'm intimately. Uh, familiar with this entire setup because I did all of those calcium reactor testing, mm -hmm. uh, in which case all the equipment that we have here uh, I've used a hundred different times. Hey, and your questions today, be ask, sure to ask them in real time because we're going to try to answer them in real time along uh, with the actual uh, topic that, or, or the component we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't know, Dave here will try to do his best to pull those comments out and uh, share them with us. So. Uh, list Sweet. of stuff, man. Let's start with the first one. What's the main one? thing? I mean, the biggest component right here behind us, the Vertex Calcium Reactor, the 6D Calcium Reactor. I think you should share why it is you like that one. I'll share why I tend to use this one as well, but like there are a few different reasons out there. Yeah. Go for it. I mean, my first my first one really comes down to we set up the set up the calcium reactor and 
not to you know not to discredit to boat reef octopus or anything like that but when we set it up like we could not get that thing to like the air noise and the sucking of the pump to, mm -hmm. to leave it but at, after all the times that I've emptied and reset and emptied and reset and emptied and reset the vertex one I'd come back the next day after changing media out or doing anything and it'd be quiet yep. and like all the, the air gets trapped uh, inside of this they get this uh, extra reactor chamber here for co2 reaction and all this other stuff but i come back to it and, and there was plenty of times where i had to shake the body of the reactor to jostle up some uh, some loose air mm -hmm. and then get uh, to know that it's even running yep. so it's one of my it's one of the quietest and then like setup is really simple for me uh, i've done it a bunch of times but uh it's a size in the whatever tank i'm going to set up it's the size that I would use. This is not going to go past them, like, what is it, like 300 gallons or something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. Up to upwards of three mm -hmm. or so. Okay, so I'm going to hit on his, his noise thing because I actually think this is pretty important. Uh, so in the XXL 750 uh, video or the hybrid series, we talked about putting a DC pump on uh, the Oct Reef Octopus DC pump mm -hmm. one on there. And you know what? I, I like DC pumps because they're super quiet, and that was one of the things for, you know, for a lobby that was important. But I gotta tell you, this is one of the few instances where the AC pump seems to be quieter and it is about the noise. And so, for those of you who don't know, you need to bleed all the air out of it, otherwise air is just circulating through and air mm. makes some noise. And so, uh, in this one, you know, we found that the air just like, it gets out of the system. And yeah. one of the things that it does is it has this little gas, you know, separating chamber. And this is supposed to create contact time for the CO2 and uh, the water or the mm -hmm. air. Air water interfaces, it creates like a, a thin film of water over all of the little coils in there. But I found what it actually does in uh, actual use is it creates an area where the air and water separate. Yeah. So from here, it'll be air all the way to the top and water down to the bottom. And it's because it's got a small pipe here and a small pipe here and a big pipe here that allows it to mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And so it just doesn't suck in a lot of air and, you know, after it's been running for a little while. And because of that, it makes very little noise. I found the ones that have the same size pipe that goes all the way down back in do not separate the air and water the same way. And yeah. because of that, are just constantly uh, getting the air and water mixed uh, mixed up, make tons of noise. Yeah, and it, sometimes it'll pulse uh, because of the yeah. because it's got air. It'll take in water and then air, and then it'll take in water and air. So you hear this like pulsing noise mm -hmm. with it. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the biggest features I like about it. I think this. Uh, you know, this flow thing does come in handy if you're not using like the setup that we have, uh, mm -hmm. where you can get an idea of the flow that you're running through the thing, because it's, it, it's relatively close. Like when I had the Camor set to like 40, 50, 60 mils per minute, that little ball would be right around the same, uh, the same level. So, I mean, it's relatively accurate. I, I agree. When we were matching this thing to here, I was really surprised to see that it was, how accurate it was and how much it matched up. Biggest thing is in the beginning though, you gotta make sure that there's no air bubbles trapped on the actual little flow guy, so uh, to make sure that it's accurate. But yeah. after it's been running for a little while, that doesn't become an issue. Yeah. So, I don't know, the other thing is it comes on a plate here, which means I can actually remove some of these pieces, or all of them, and rearrange it to fit myself. So there's a nice little mounting plate on the bottom here that it all does fit on, but uh, I can just kinda take it off as well yeah so and then rearrange it as I need it so that's real nice in the end the PVC acrylic build is also looks sharp 
But the main reason I think I'd use it is just the noise reason. And it also has this other second chamber here, which uh, can house other medias. We're gonna get into whether or not you can use magnesium in there and how you'd use it exactly, but uh, whether or not it should be mixed in or in here. Uh, also, some people use like phosphate media and stuff in the top here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, these medias all have phosphate in them because they were live animals at one point in time, these mm. corals that are in here. So, uh, you know, yeah, you make a good point because uh, this secondary chamber isn't just one single chamber. It's got a it's little two. cup in there that you can remove. So if you were running like the phosphate media, you don't even have to take this whole thing apart. You unscrew the lid, you pull the little cup out, you replace it, you put it back in and mm -hmm. put the lid back on, you're done. So I haven't actually used phosphate media. I'm curious how it would uh, interact with the uh, uh, alkalinity and stuff in, in the water in there and how long it lasts. I know there's some really big medias, like the Eheim makes a big, big phosphate media. Actually, one of the things somebody talked about a lot is uh, using the phosphate-covered uh, media oh, from that Brightwell, export, yeah. that export stuff. Yeah. And so there's tiny little cubes that are covered in uh, GFO powder that you could fill inside of here and then just replace them as needed. And the nature of how those pores work and everything means it's not gonna clog and get all cemented to each other like mm. a normal phosphate media. Yeah. How it interacts with the alkalinity would be interesting, so maybe we'll do a little investigate and find that yeah, out. Yeah, there you go. Right uh, chuck that down, actually. Fill it up. Fill it up with uh, that media and see how it reacts to both alkalinity and uh, the phosphate media. Because yeah, we've tested this one to the to extent on what the alkalinity output is at the different pH points, mm -hmm. what the alkalinity output is with the different types of media, different flow rates. We've done videos on all of that stuff. So That'd be a great one. It'd be man. pretty so, interesting honestly. to see. Just throw a little phosphate in there. All right, so that's the reactor that we're going to meet. Uh, anything else here? Oh, Glenn, thanks for the buck ninety nine coffee for us. Uh, and uh, how how did you size the calcium reactor? So the size of the calcium reactor can't be uh, too big really, but it can be too small. Yeah. And so if it's too small, then the, you're not going to get enough contact time for the media to dissolve properly. You're probably not going to hit max saturation rates and right. whatnot. Yeah. But really, I don't think there is such a thing as too, too big. Too big? No. You know, you're just giving more and more contact time and it's just going to be more and more reliable and more and more stable. True. So, uh, but something like this one. Uh, we did the math on, on at that max saturation of uh, like a DKH of like 35-ish, you yeah. know, uh, at a 6.5 pH. You know, this thing is going to be capable of running like a 350-gallon tank at like a, I mean, I'm not sure in this number 100%, but like a point and a half of DKH consumption a day. It's a pretty good tank. This, yeah, this is a big tank, super high consumption and uh, adequate for that. So if you're gonna get bigger than this guy, it's cause you got just a mammoth take or you just love oversizing stuff. But I wouldn't feel like compelled to like reach out of my wallet and dump out extra money for a bigger one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, man. I mean, there's that balance between, you know, efficiency and cost. Well, I mean, you made a point in uh, one of the videos too is, uh, Whatever, however big of a calcium reactor you can fit in your space and reasonably afford, go with that one. Yep, uh, bigger is definitely better in this case. Like a skimmer, no, actually uh, decreased performance in some cases if you get too big. In this case, it's just gonna be more and more stable and reliable, especially as the media like kind of melts over time, you know, because the contact time, if it melts down to here, it's half, mm. well, I have half the contact time. <laughs> True. You know, so in a bigger the media, the better, chamber, the better. Uh, would you recommend using a calcium reactor on a nano? I don't think it's probably worth the money. No, probably not. I mean, two-part is probably, uh, or Kalkwasser. Yeah. Most cost-effective and will get the job done even on a high-demand nano tank too, so. 
I mean, it would be like a really tricked out nano to have a Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the sump area would be twice as big as the actual tank. You probably run at uh, one mil per minute if you were using the Kamor or something. Uh, can a calcium reactor setup run outside of the sump? Yeah, this one is there definitely go. going out. Most of them, I think, Most are of them are, yeah. And then, some, I mean, I've, I think I've seen a couple of them inside a, a sump, if you have the space. But I, I just don't see a reason why. I think the inside the sump ones would be the rarity, yeah. actually. So I, most of them are designed to be external. Uh, and can you put just a list of components on your calcium reactor? We're going to go through them right now. There's like seven the, of them. So we got the first one, which right. was the big the calcium reactor itself. Uh, and what do you feel the best set points uh, are on the uh, AP? Uh, I don't know. Huh? So uh, oh. we're going to suggest having the uh, pH at uh, 6.5 yeah. and then using the calculator over on uh, uh, the like calcium reactor setup help yeah. website. Yeah, if you Google calcium reactor setup help, there's a calculator there. Now you have to know, the. there's a couple points you have to know about it too, like that effluent of the output, mm -hmm. uh, what your tank DKH is, and what your yeah, flow rate is. Yeah, there's a couple of set points you need to load in there, and it'll tell you three exactly different things. Rate. Yeah, it'll tell you exactly what you need. So one of the things you want to do is just peg the pH, man. Just pick one somewhere between, if you had a super low demand tank, you know, pick a, you know. Six, like, eight and above, six, yeah. nine and above. Yeah, if you have a high demand tank, probably six, four, six, five, right? Just pick one and then stay there, right? I'm going to say it's probably best to pick like just six, five. And if somebody's going to ask me, that's the number I'd just pick. Uh, and then adjust the flow rate coming out of it. Because mm. at six five, you should have a, with this kind of media and uh, contact time, you should have a DKH of about thirty five coming out of the calcium reactor all day long. Yeah. So uh, you're just looking for something stable. All right. Now uh, we'll save a couple of those questions there. We'll move on. So uh, we got this piece. What is the next one here? Uh, what the media is? Uh, this is the two little fishies reborn media. Yep. In the performance of uh, the different types of medias where I tested uh, I tested that aragonite style type of media like Carib C, uh, Brightwell, which are similar types of media, but granular size were different just uh, slightly. Brightwell was a smaller granule size. Yeah, bright, uh, the smaller one means that it will have more contact area, but also can uh, clog a little faster. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it kind of depends on what you're looking for. But yeah, but out of the differences between, yeah, out of the difference between those, the reborn media from Two Little Fishies that is bits of skeleton, it's coral skeleton, mm -hmm. versus the aragonite stuff, this actually had uh, more, like 17%, 11-17% more concentrated effluent uh, uh, yeah. at the same pH set points. So That's you're getting a little more bang for your buck when it comes to like how much alkalinity and calcium the effluent has in it. It dissolves a little easier at a higher pH. Uh, I would say that it's also, you know, something to be said for the fact that it looks like little coral fingers, so it just <laughs> makes you feel better. Uh, behind the scenes, I will share that all of them uh, do have phosphate in them, and this one was actually the highest. The most, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's one of the things we're like working on. And, you know, I don't know where it went, but Elos used to, so we used to sell this thing. It mm. was a man-made calcium reactor media, uh, a synthetic, and presumably it didn't have any of the phosphate and stuff in it. Probably no trace elements or whatnot either, mm. but, like, uh, that's a big advantage, I think. If you could have a media that, that was kind of lab clean, yeah. uh, just calcium and carbonate or bicarbonate or calcium carbonate. Uh, and so, I don't know, but yeah, we just use this one here because that's what a lot of people use and uh, I can't help it. I like the idea of taking old coral skeleton and turning it into new coral skeleton. <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, it's a pretty yeah. pretty solid uh, concept. All right, so the next thing was the Kamor pump. This All guy. All right, got yeah. right here. So a lot of you guys, let's see if we can uh, see it here. There we go. All right. So. 
Alright, we can pick it up here. So, uh, this is a continuous duty po dosing pump. So, the difference between this dosing pump and all the other ones you might have seen is that it's designed to run 24 7. So, continuous duty. Most of them are designed to run for, you know, uh, a couple thousand hours yeah. or whatever. And if you do the math on that, it's a surprisingly short period of time. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, and so, this one here will run all the time, all day, every day. 24 7. 24 7, right? From, yeah, from as low as like one mil per minute all the way up to 120 mils per minute. Doesn't it even do fractions of a milliliter? Uh, I don't know. But I don't know. Yeah, it definitely goes down to one milliliter a minute. Yeah. And so this is the perfect thing for a calcium reactor because it used to be, you know, like drip rates and whatnot. And there's a needle valve on this guy right here that will get the drip rate. Right. But over time, things clog those things, you know. Sure. And so you have all those problems with the flow rate might be 20 milliliters a day, but tomorrow it's uh, 10, you know, yeah. there's five. And then the little rock busts loose and it's 40 again. And now you're, uh, yeah, and then uh, the whole time your alkalinity is doing fluctuations. Well, in. and then before you had the little valve or the or the gauge on here, you, know, you had to like pour it and time it in a minute into a cup to find out what you really had. It was a big Super difficult. Yeah, and so that was one of the instability factors. And so I would call this the biggest uh, addition to calcium reactors in ever. Yeah, because uh, the, yeah. the option for continuous duty prior to that was something I went in oh, search yeah. for was uh, you go on eBay back uh, back when you went on eBay and you found the hospital grade Masterflex Cole Palmer four thousand plus dollar big giant loud loud uh, tw uh, continuous duty dosing pumps. Uh, but then you could now you could base your uh, your calcium reactor on flow, which Those made it super easy. Three thousand dollar pumps new. Yeah, I found mine <laughs> yeah. luckily on eBay this for four hundred. So this is like two two fifty two sixty somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a big 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 change. So uh, if I were considering a calcium reactor, which isn't the cheapest thing to do begin with. I wouldn't even do it without one of these. There's other components today here, man, I may or may not do uh, with, but this one I would not do without. It, so It makes adjusting your calcium reactor as easy as two-part where I need more alkalinity, I turn it up. I need oh. less, I turn it down. So yeah, you set your, uh, set your pH, pH will keep peg the uh, concentration inside of here, and then uh, dose 20 milliliters a day if the levels are dropping your tank, add it, do it 25 milliliters. Yeah. Still drop it, 30. <laughs> you know, it's all done. So, you know, and it starts to go up. I, I pull a bunch of corals out of the tank, uh, you know, frag them, sell them, whatever. Well, now levels are probably going to rise because I don't have as much in there. So, mm, turn it down. Yeah, you know? super simple. Yeah, super, super easy. You can even make that noise if you want <laughs> if you wanted to. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I would definitely, uh, this is really what I think has made the uh, whole thing really a lot yeah. easier. All right, and then we have uh, an apex, uh, so. Which is uh, behind my shoulder back uh, back in the corner over here, but basically that's what we're controlling the pH with. Yeah, so you're gonna control the pH, you're gonna turn on the, off of the solenoid on the regulator to add uh, CO2 as needed. You know, rather than do all kinds of bubble counts and whatever, yeah. and we will do a little bit of that after this, but like that's gonna be the secondary backup. Mm. And what we're gonna do is use a, a regulator and just for this ease of use, we have a regulator here that opens up, and we also have a pH controller here. And so, you know, you can use your apex as well. And the apex, you know, there's a point where the apex just becomes a no-brainer. Once you start to get into like calcium reactors and stuff, it's like, well, for the 500 bucks, why am I wasting my money on all these other external oh. controllers? Well, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got more equipment on my tank that I'd like to turn off and off, uh, off and on, based off of parameters of my system and pHs and all that. Uh, whereas the the pH con or the pH controller only 
turns off and on the CO2 regulator. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, what if I wanted to shut off my feed pump to it? What if I wanted to shut off my lights or do all this other stuff? There's added value in all of that. Plus, when you get the Apex, um, if you get the, the full Apex, not the EL version, or you have the full classic version, mm -hmm. they have two ports, one for PH, one for ORP. Oh, yeah. Can second secondary purpose the ORP one, so you can still have a pH port in your tank, and then repurpose the other one for this pH. Yeah. So for those of you though, uh, there's a lot of people that just don't want to buy bother with a, 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 a aquarium controller. It's like more complexity than yeah. desired, or yada yada yada. In this case, there is just a. I mean, these things are like what, hundred bucks or so. Yeah, that one. Yeah. It's okay. A couple, it's on sale right now, but yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, you can get this one. Actually, does ORP and uh, pH on it actually, but mm -hmm. you can get one that does ORP only. That's pretty simple. And then I want to set my pH. Turn, turn the dial. There it is, man. It just I changed my my pH, and that's as easy as setting this thing up. So I want to set it to six point five. I set it right between the six and the seven, and uh, that's all I had to do. Now the concentration of my calcium uh, reactor is going to be even uh, and uh, stable. So uh, that is as simple as it gets. Cool. Just gonna open and control and power the solenoid and open it and close it. The next thing is the CO2 regulator. So this is called the carbon doser that we're gonna use. The right? electronic one. So there are cheaper options. There definitely are cheaper yep. options. This guy's what, 350? Somewhere around there. Yeah, the, re the some of the, like Toonsie has a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, Milwaukee, we used to, uh, I think we still have it has a has a good one too, but and they're more basic function where uh, you have an electronic open and close solenoid, and then you can adjust the bubbles and all this other stuff. So the regulator this, here is just going to screw on to the uh, 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 on your CO2 tank, right? For those who don't know what this does, and this thing is super super high powered. Uh, hopefully it goes on. Well, there we go. All right, so this thing is super high powered. God, I don't know what the PSI is inside of it, but it's really, really high. So we don't want that kind of PSI going into our reactor. It's going to explode. Yeah. So uh, what we do is it measures the, the uh, PSI going into it, and then it regulates it down. And that'd probably be somewhere between like 3 and uh, 15 PSI for most people. Right. There's a few different reasons we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and so for most people, you just want to pick a good one. Uh, you know, open and honest, we had a Milwaukee one before that was pretty cheap. I think it was like 70 bucks. And it got so many bad reviews that we just stopped carrying it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. That one like lasted like a year. The Tunes one, though, however, has uh, been really good. Mm -hmm. And so the Tunes one, I, I don't know how much exactly it is, but it's a little bit more than 70 bucks for sure. Uh, but it works and it's uh, a reliable unit. This one, and what you're going to do with those things is set the regulator to, you know, your, uh, like, you know, 3 to 15 PSI. Yeah, yeah, which and is then your bubble. needle valve in there, too, that's going to let the air out, yeah. like, super slow. And so, you know, you're looking for these slow little bubble rates coming out of it, and you want to control the amount of bubbles. That's also a piece that tends to drift over time with a for, lot of them. For some reason, they just like to either let out less bubbles over time because it's closing or it's getting stuck, or yeah. more bubbles over time, depending yeah, on the, pre the pressure of the tank. More CO2 means also the media is going to melt a little faster, yeah. right? So like, we want to control that rate as best as possible. So this guy right here, you change it to 5. And uh, I think we'll get a close-up of this guy if we can. All right. So I'll change it to five. And now I have five uh, bubbles per uh, second. I'll change it to nine. I'll change it to one or a fraction of one. 
And so getting a bubble right now is super, super easy. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why most people use these things. And you're using that conjunction with your CO2 regulator, right? Yeah. Uh, or the knee, or, or not, our CO2 uh, controller. So this is going to be the primary. It's going to turn it on and off and you know keep it exactly at the 6.5 that we're looking at. And then this guy's the backup. So if it needs uh, you know a few bubbles a second, we'll turn it to like just over that. And if this thing ever failed, now like it will barely you know do just a, an overdose just a little slightly yeah. <laughs> instead of letting out tons. Uh, so that's how those things are going to work. And then your last piece you had was some parts you modified. For oh the yeah. Pump. So I mean, we have videos. If you're wondering about like the how to build the reactor and a few things like that, we've got videos on them. But I also did a video on the Camor pump where. Uh, as you can see, we changed this to quarter-inch push connect, which is pretty much a lot. Almost all of the uh, calcium reactors I come in contact with have quarter-inch polyethylene type tubing on it, a rigid yep. quarter-inch tubing. In which case, to make the Camor easier to use with that, uh, we just adapted it with some uh, barb-stemmed adapters. So you have the tube that comes with the Camor, uh, and all you have to do is get this little barb-stem adapter, and then get a straight union push connect. And now we're uh, push connect with the whole rest of the system. So if you look for those things on the website, it's called a barb to stem adapter. Mm -hmm. and it's a Murloc fitting, and it's a barb end on this side, and on the other end it's a stem that just slides into a push collect fitting. And then what is just a, the a, union. a push connect union. Yep. And now both sides of these things are push connect and can be used for anything you want. So that is a few bucks. You can convert this thing to you know, polyethylene it's worth it. tubing, quarter inch tubing. Yeah, it definitely makes a lot easier. You can disconnect and connect it super quick. So that's all of the stuff that you need to, to set this thing up. Uh, There's a you know a couple of it's you know not cheap. You know I think mm -hmm. you probably got into this for at least a thousand bucks. to do this. You know you got uh, like a three hundred dollar pump, uh, three hundred dollar regulator. You got you probably picked up a used. Oh, we didn't talk about the CO2 canister. So you can buy new CO2 canisters from us. Don't I would do advise that. not doing that. Don't do that. Uh, some places just don't have them, or you want one that's brand new and super shiny because it's going to bling out your setup, then it would do that. Yeah. In which case, you need to go find a place to fill it rather than swap it. But for most people, you're going to do a swap like you would with propane or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So where you can swap it is very often places like uh, a home brewing store, a yeah. welding store. Uh, there's, a, there's some general gas companies. Uh, we have like, uh, this welding shop plus gas company that has oxygen, acetylene, helium, all these other different types of gases and stuff there. You can swap them out for like 20 bucks, I think. Yeah, they're pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you gotta like kind of buy the first one, right? But yeah. it's used and a lot cheaper. Uh, but if you want a brand new one that's all shiny, uh, you're going to have to go around and have it filled for you, which is a little bit more of a hassle. <laughs> so you'll have to call those places and say, can you fill this for me? Uh, in which case, some of you can. All right. Uh, that's, hey, that's Joey, man, two bucks. Thank you very much. Uh, should uh, Shout out to Joe Thomas at BRS. Uh, all right, man. Awesome, man. Uh, great customer service. Oh. We'll let him know. Thank Thomas. you. Thanks, uh, at, oh, 10 bucks. Uh, get some, grab, grab some coffee. Some coffee. Uh, faded. Uh, appreciate that, man. Well, that, uh, we're getting beyond coffee now. Like, we're going to have to get the whole staff. Uh, <laughs> all right, thank you very much. Uh, how do you properly tune the carbon doser? I can't get the one bubble per minute. So that's one thing is, too, is like, this isn't a perfect science. So for when you're one bubble per minute, it's per second, by the way. But yeah, uh, you know, that's pretty slow. That would be pretty slow, yeah. So it, it, you know, people complain once in a while. They like, oh, it popped up two bubbles, you yeah. know. And sometimes it splits the bubble in half, so it kind of like makes it look like that. 
Uh, I would say if it's super off, uh, you know, you should probably call a customer service, see if we can get like swapped out. But for the most part, you're just getting it really close. It isn't like uh, ultimate perfection. You know, that for ultimate perfection, you've probably been into this for more than you want. Uh, it's just really close. But I will tell you this: I've never met anybody that's used one and said like every system I would buy would have this on it. For sure. That's me. Uh, I said that. Yeah. I, I got one of these uh, a long time before I came here, like four four years ago, four or five years ago, or what have you. And I won't ever set one up without using uh, it too. Josh at WWC laughed at us when we said because that yeah. would, would no, it. no if you oh, wouldn't we, use it if you wouldn't use yeah, it yeah, yeah, no way man all of WWC <laughs> yeah. it's too reliable yeah yeah but uh, I mean as far as setup usually goes I'll set I'll probably set it at like five uh, just to kind of start with mm -hmm. and then we'll talk we'll get a little bit later on you know. The pressure of your coming out of it, but uh, and then you're basically the. I mean, the pH controller is going to control whether or not it's on. Mm -hmm. So if you find that that thing is just constantly on and you never you never see your pH hitting your set point at like six five, turn it to four instead, so you get more bubbles. And then if that works, uh, if that doesn't work, turn it to three. There's also you got to have make sure you have it on the right pressure. So you got to be able to crack the the uh, uh, check valve that's in there. We'll get to that later yeah. as well. Uh, but that is definitely a couple of things I want to look at and just make sure you're looking for reasonable if it's like every uh, 55 seconds in, or, or you know fractions of a second or you know it, it doesn't need to be super perfect perfect so how do you uh, set the Camorra to pull through I cannot get the siphon going oh I uh, did a video on that one too well for the most part I did I covered it but so for this one in particular for the uh, the vertex in particular the pole works has worked really well for me all of those times that I tore it down, so it set it up, tore it down, set it up when I was doing the VR Steam Investigates. Um, I this is my cheater hose, and this is why I have it in here. But basically, I you make I make sure that all the chambers are full, as full as I can get them to capacity, and then I'll fill uh, right through the pH port. I like to use this little uh, little feed pump to fill up my reactor because it fits in the pH probe uh, hole. The half inch tubing does perfectly, mm -hmm. uh, but it only takes a couple seconds to fill up. Um, but as soon as I get this fill, especially on this one, on the inside of the lid, there's a stem that comes down from the underside of the lid, and that's where the liquid actually draws from. And I found as long as I, as long as I get the water level inside my reactor to make sure that it covers that hole or that little stem that comes down, then everything else is full. And I start the recirculation pump, and I kick the my Camor, turn it to 120. It uh, takes a little bit to suck all the air out and build that negative pressure. I mean, all the connections have to be tight. All the lids have to be tight. The pH probe has to be on there tight because you're essentially you're just sealing off any drawing of air from outside the reactor body. Uh, but then it pretty much works like a straw. And I set it to my my Camor to 120 until I get a steady stream coming out. And then I go back to my flow rate. So for those of you wondering what that means, uh, you can choose to fill the reactor and dose it by pumping water into it. Or you can choose to pump water out of it by creating a vacuum in there. And this guy, little guy will pinch off air and slowly suck all the air out of it. But I would definitely fill it first because oh, it's yeah. going to be a lot. It's going to be a really long time before it creates a negative vacuum of air sure. that would fill up the whole thing. Yeah. But if it's just that last little bit, then probably not a problem. Yeah. But so uh, I would definitely fill it up with water there, uh, Derek, and get it as full as you can to start off with if you're going to pull through it. Yeah. Uh, just real quick, one of the benefits of pulling through it is that, like, if it ever the reactor ever spraying a leak. You would essentially just empty the reactor. If the reactor is spraying a leak and you're 
putting water into it, it would flood on your floor or whatever. Like however deep your your intake line was inside your sump, yeah. you continue to push water from that. So if you're screwed on the caps here and got like a little rock or something in there and uh, didn't seat right, you know, all of a sudden now you have a leak on your hands. Whereas alternatively, your problem might actually be that when you're pulling it, is the little rock is in there and it's creating a, not creating the vacuum and so air is coming in instead. Yeah. So that might be another uh, you know answer to your question. But we did end up on the beer on the 750XXL. We had the Reef Octopus one there, and I tried. We tried pulling through it uh, every every which way, and we refilled it, we reprimed it, we pulled, we refilled, reprimed, repulled. Just didn't like it. Uh, yeah, it just it would like, not work. I couldn't understand. So that we ended up switch uh, switch it around to where we were pushing through push. it and then no problem yeah so there you are uh how do you keep the oh the next one if i'm doing weekend water changes do i need to have my calcium reactor running uh where am i at uh running my calcium number is 450. so if you're doing weekend water changes do you still need to have it running i mean i don't know why you wouldn't uh no, this is one that, again, you know, depending on how deep it was in the sump. So the only reason I would tr shut off my calcium reactor if I was doing a water change, if I was doing a massive one in my sump, a in the chamber that had my feed line for the calcium reactor, where I knew that the ma the water level would go below the feed line of the calcium reactor. Yep. Uh, I'd, I'd maybe shut it off then. But that's far and few between instance, I think. So that's right. something I'd worry about. All right, man. Well, let's just a couple more, and then we'll move on uh, and start putting it in. So uh, do you find that an aquarium controller is a must for the calcium reactor? So a, either aquarium controller or a pH controller. And must is too strong of a word. There's definitely reefers out there that you know have figured out the perfect bubble rate and have figured out the perfect flow rate. But you know, I also this like project or equipment has been like technologically like way over so many people's heads and willingness to implement it and trying to like you know do the mad scientist thing yeah. and trying to you know so i would say not necessary like absolutely necessary but for the average person it's going to make it a million times easier if i can just peg the ph of this thing to 6.5 and know that my you know concentration is always going to be 35 dkh coming out of this thing and that's just how much i flow and anybody Anyone, uh, there isn't a single one of you that's not watching this thing, <laughs> couldn't set this thing to 6.5 and then put this thing on and say, oh, 20 milliliters, I test tomorrow, my alkalinity drop, let's do 25. Yeah. Like uh, every single person <laughs> can do that. Now, if you're not using this thing, it, it's going to get a little higher, hairier, man, because you're going to have to figure out the right combination of CO2 going in to the like flow rate going out and like one has an inverse reaction on the other one it's going to be a whole lot of intuitive trial and error and there's tons of reasons why that could work but ready get ready to be a pro and have a high learning curve uh, if you buy the extra 100 bucks uh, controller or buy a, an actual uh, aquarium control like the Apex it gets a million times easier and the only thing is a little dial and even if it isn't this dial and you want to just skip on the the continuous duty dosing pump now all i'm doing is you know using the needle valve and measuring how much the thing does in a in a, in a minute yeah. uh, in a cup or using the little gauge on the side of a reactor like this one it just makes it so so much easier to peg the ph in here do you have to do it no should you do it almost certainly especially if you're asking the question uh, the people that shouldn't do, uh, don't need it, wouldn't ask the question. They've already, they'd uh, already have they've one. had three years worth of experience, <laughs> you know, already doing it. Uh, Sweet. So, 
In the G GPH, what's the max the Camor uh, can do? It's not gallons, gallons per, per minute. Um, uh, it's 120 milliliters a minute is the max that it will yeah. do, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's yeah, 120. 120. So you can turn that over into gallons per hour. Uh, if you're th if you're talking about a gallon from a gallons per hour perspe perspective where maybe you're thinking about using this for some kind of water change or something, mm -mm. probably not. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't well. This is its, this is its, uh, I would say, I mean, this could be used for a, a number of different things. This is my primary purpose for this thing, so for sure. I, I wish I would've pulled the price on this thing. Uh, Dave, do you happen to know what it is? Can you look it up? So he'll tell us in a second. But like, uh, if you're gonna do auto water changes, man, an apex and the dose is like the best way to go. You could buy two of these guys and do it, uh, but like, it's not gonna be enough savings to justify yeah. like, having two of them and yeah. makes you turn you, I mean, you'd have to have some kind of apex to, Turn one on that puts water out, and turn one well, on. Well, you can use timers and stuff too, man, yeah. or just set it to a super low. Steady flow rate. twenty more, yeah. five mils per minute, and then just let that go continuously every day. Yeah, it's more work than it's worth. You can just for tell the, the apex do three percent yeah, water change for sure. Day. So, like, I don't think it's going to be enough. Did you find it, buddy? All right, we're almost there. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's the max though. It does 120 milliliters. It is kind of loud at 120 milliliters. Yeah, you know, it's worrying. Understandable. A little bit. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's pretty fast. In the case of the calcium reactor, that's the, what's really nice about it for this application is if I start to hit those like 90, 100, 110 flow rates, uh, and it's just not keeping up with my alkalinity in my tank, I can just drop the next pH point pH down, down. It'll be 40. DK. And then slow the pump down back to 20 and start back increasing again. So that's actually why I suggest actually just starting at the bottom is because mm -hmm. you can make the longevity of your tubing and pump and everything a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, there's some reasons to believe it'll actually, even though it's a lower pH, have a lower impact on the pH of the tank. That's something like a BRS TV investigates episode will do. But uh, there's some reason to believe that. How much was it? Yeah, 260. So you're going to be in this thing for 520 bucks. I mean, I guess you. it'd be cheaper than uh, that, significantly cheaper than Apex in the dose at that point. But I, I still would, I would still do that. Yeah. I I'd like this would work. Just a little hairier. Yeah. Uh, That's a really uh, good question. Above that one, at uh, what point would you switch from uh, dosing to a cal from two-part dosing to a calcium reactor? And he's currently dosing 120 mils of alkyl day. And what would suggest? Some, uh, would you suggest moving over? Um, I mean, this is probably uh, alkaline or two part can go the distance for a long for every tank. For I mean, we used to mix it up in five gallon buckets for the BRS 160. Here we were at 150 some 160 some mils per day of just straight soda, ash, and calcium chloride for uh, daily consumption, and we could have turned that. Uh, we could have let that go the distance in maybe even upwards of like two maybe or or 200 plus mils. 300, maybe 300 plus. The only minutes, but. part where it hits is like if uh, your density corals so strong that you end up messing with the salinity when you're dosing too much to a smaller yeah. size tank. In that case, this thing doesn't mess with salinity. It does mess with the pH a little bit. Uh, but like that's it. I, I, in fact, I'll just tell you right now, man. I mean, there's a lot of pros that use uh, calcium reactors, and for that reason, you know, it's kind of attractive. But mm -hmm. it's a gear junkie thing, man. For sure. You know, like yeah, like, that's exactly why I bought one. Yeah, I want two dosing <laughs> pumps and some two-part. Uh, but like for a lot of people, the hobby is fun, cool gear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I mean, the you fact that you can't open up the the aquarium stand and have your friends standing there and they see this contraption going on here. 
and then you get to explain to them what it does, how it, it does melts it. Melts old coral it's skeleton, awesome. so new coral can grow yeah. in it. So all the new corals in there that you see all that awesome growth. It's awesome. It's actually little bits of this were melted Bragging. back down so it could be reused. Bragging point. That's a different thing than like yeah, <laughs> I use calcium chloride and uh, sodium carbonate. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So uh, for a lot of people, cool factor wouldn't matter, man. But like yeah. uh, for a lot of people, it's gear. So I don't think there's a, like a point at which man like. Uh, you, there's a definite like switch. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, people. I've seen people endlessly try to you know evaluate the cost differences between the two. Uh, in relation to like two part, like a bulk two part, like where the costs are three dollars a month for most people, right? There is no equation where that works. Man. No. Like it, it will never happen. If you're using something like a, a two part, normal two part, like retail additive, that's thirty dollars a month. There is definitely a point at where there is a, a, a return and investment. But one of the things that almost never gets uh, calculated into is uh, a equipment cost. Initial cost. Yeah, yeah. So like eventually, when the pump's gonna fail, this one will fail in three years. You know, like uh, every three, four years, like everything with a plug in it, it will fail. So you know, you gotta replace stuff. So it's not like an economic decision. No. No, it's a cool factor it's, decision <laughs> for sure. Uh, but 120 mils per day. Uh, you know that's I would say that's not that's not much for no. some of the tanks that I've ran before either but uh, uh, when you do if you do decide to move over uh, you can use that 120 mils per day of calculation that you have and Ryan's got a video on it on a reef, AQ, FF, uh, reef FAQ and then there's the, the online calculators that he used in that video but um, basically you just plug in I dose 120 mils per day this is my target alkalinity and where it's stabilized at and you give the specs of your calcium reactor and it'll spit out like a flow rate uh, that you would need to match your calcium reactor Super or to match your, your two-part yeah, yeah it's gonna be really any more simple it already knows your dose and it only works for a handful of things like Randy's two parts the same as BRS's yeah. two parts and concentration so uh, I'd look at that uh, all right. Well, gosh, man, the questions are coming in rapid. Yeah, for sure. So let, let's answer a couple of questions after a little bit here. So uh, we're going to get a little further into this thing. So uh, step one, man, is uh, you put the thing together, right? I'm not going to bother trying to tell you how to put all the tubes together because we've already done two videos and all that. But you follow the instructions and you put the tubes in the places yeah. that they go. But more or less, you know, you're recirculating the, this is just a secondary uh, chamber right here. Mm -hmm. And so more or less, here more or less you're just circulating meeting around this in a direction you know in the main chamber yep and yeah. it's just mixing co2 and water together constantly and slowly melting the media so mm -hmm. it's uh, again like the in this specific one it separates the air and co2 out and gives it additional contact time uh, but I think this is the only one that I've, I've seen that does that yeah uh, but like this anyway uh, and so you just send it up and then the media eventually goes through this secondary chamber here which you know does seem to take off a little teeny bit little of pH. the pH and it does add in add, yeah. a little bit of concentration from a little more contact time probably or I should say a little bit of the CO2 mm -hmm. and adds a little bit of contact time into it so uh, there you go so you just put it together as instruction said we won't bother with uh, all, like everywhere every last hose goes right. Uh, then you're going to use your media and so I would suggest getting like a colander or something like this and you're going to pour your media into the top. Randy does it a little different to me. I'll yeah, show you. I, uh, so uh, this specific colander because it's got the wider uh, edges here fits perfectly over a five gallon bucket. It sits right on there. Believe it or not, this is OXO and we actually sell it for uh, <laughs> random things like this. Yeah, uh, well it, yeah, it's sitting over a five gallon bucket. 
And then uh, I put a little bit of media in it. I take it over to where we've got a big giant RODI bin back here uh, that has a spout on it that I can just turn the spout on and run it over the top of the media. Uh, otherwise, I'll just take another five gallon bucket because who doesn't have 105 gallon buckets around? And pour it over the top, mix it, pour it over the top, and throw that uh, off to the side. Do a couple more of those. And now my media is rinsed with RODI water. All right. So uh, just like carbon for me, I rinse it right in the sink just because it's a lot easier. That means that it may be chlorinated and, and whatnot, but uh, it's so little and it probably reacts with the media like instantaneously. Mm -hmm. You can let it dry out afterward if you want, if you're worried about it. But I just take it to the sink and literally just you know rinse it out and get all the dusty fines out. And this will probably work the best to get the fines out over trying to you know recirculate oh, yeah. our REI water. If you're super anal about it and like don't want uh, any signs of chlorine or whatnot, I wouldn't blame you one bit. Uh, do it his way, uh, but I know a lot of people will probably do it this way too. So yeah, so uh, just rinse it all out, and uh, this thing holds like what, like one and a half bags of that stuff. Yeah, two little fishies reborn. Uh, if you get the 4.4 pound bag, uh, it will hold right at one and three quarters of those okay. bags. Almost so two bags. Almost two bags. So pick up two bags. The bags will the the meat will last you a really long time, and yeah. you, essentially you have a little bit of top off in there as well. So, yeah, for you sure. Know, by the time you top it off, order another bag. You know, it's not that <laughs> expensive. Uh, Alright, all right. so we plumbed it, we've got uh, media in it, then we got to fill it with water. Okay. Oh, uh, fill the yeah. bubble counter with so water. So here's the bubble counter, guys, and let's see here. Uh, it's kind of in here. Yep. Uh, so uh, you're going to screw off the top and we're going to add some water to this thing. Can you zoom in on it? Alright, so let's do that. Does the top come off? Of this I one? don't. Oh, think this so. one that you have no. to pump water into yep. it. You have to pump water into it. Oh, okay, so this one doesn't actually. The top doesn't come off. So we're just gonna have to pump some water in here, and I don't know if we're gonna be able to do that on camera here. But the water level will be like right here, right? And uh, and when the water goes in there, we'll watch the gas bubbles just kind of go up through it one by one, and that's where you start counting. Is it three bubbles a second? Four bubbles a second? Yeah. And yeah. You just time it. Uh, so. There you go. I thought that screwed off for sure, but I guess it does not. Mm -hmm. So many of them, it does absolutely screw off. This one, you just pump the water in. This but is super easy. Kind of thing that you do once. Yeah, and the way I, I mean, the way I fill it, like before you, before you put the whole thing together, because uh, on on this one specifically, the flow meter here uh, doesn't allow you to pull it back through the bracket that it's in. But basically, I just use the quarter, I use the quarter inch push connect fittings here, and I, I've got tons of this, you know, quarter inch tubing laying around. So uh, I'll just put it, put some in there, and then, uh, or I'll start a little siphon from it. So I'll put this on down and below the water level. Start a little siphon in the quarter inch tubing, one end in my sump, one or tank, one end in here. And you then should use fresh water. water. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think normally you use fresh water. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you can do that you way. Can do that way too. Yeah, people actually have bubble cone fluid, and I think it makes a more consistent bubble or whatnot. Oh yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but all right. Well, there you go. And so uh, then the next step, man, is add the pump. Uh, and again, we talked about it a little earlier, man. So we're gonna add this pump on here, and uh, you know, pull the tube. Which tube is so, it? So we're gonna pull. This is the discharge uh, going to the. So this is your effluent line, and it's just the way we have it routed. Of course, the pump turns, the pump turns uh, clockwise here. So of course, uh, it'll go into the bottom one because that's coming out of the pump. Yeah. And this is the. Since we're we sucking through it, we're going to this one. This one. All right. There you go. Now, this, basically, this comes out of. After all of the flow goes in there, this comes out of the flow meter. 
and then into the pump. So we're, it's like a straw sucking on the flow meter, which is basically like drinking a milkshake through your calcium reactor. All right, so now I'm doing 20 milliliters a minute. And you can hear it doesn't make any noise at 20 milliliters. Uh, and uh, it's just spinning, and we'll eventually create a vacuum in here and suck all the water out. Alright, yeah. so there's a little glare there. Oh, there, there we go. go. Uh, so you can see it's just 20 <laughs> milliliters a minute, and if I wanted to crank it up, I just turn it there, and it is now 24. 24 milliliters. So each little bump looks like it does about two. So it's super, super easy to do. We are now pumping water through it at a controlled rate. Alright, I think I'll just stop it though for the moment. Sweet. Alright, and uh, then. Uh, Again, I just want to touch on one last bit, just a refresher on the theory of how this works, is what we want to do is create a controlled effluent coming out of here, meaning all the solution that's inside the reactor is the exact same DKH, right? And the way that you're going to test that is once you set it up, is just take the DKH and do your normal test kit on it. You may have to dilute the solution by half, you know, for a test kit or your yeah. Hannah checker or whatnot to, to read it. So that means... Uh, if your uh, Hanna checker takes 10 milliliters of solution yeah. uh, to work, you'd add five milliliters from the effluent going in there and then five milliliters of RODI water. And then when you get the result, you just double it, Yeah. right? So in this case, it would come out of like uh, 17 and a half and you would say it's 35, yep. right? <laughs> yep. So uh, pr pretty simple uh, on that front. So uh, I think any other issues on, on pushing or pulling? Well, the um, concept. So yeah, we're just gonna keep the, the alkalinity the same in here when we're gonna control the flow rate afterward. So keeping the alkalinity the same, only thing you need to be concerned about really is making sure the pH stays the same. So open and open, open and closing that solenoid. Yeah, true. All right, so uh, anything else on whether or not you pull or push with this guy? Uh, for the, like I said, for me, with specifically with this one, uh, the Vertex calcium reactor, it was, Super easy for me to get it to pull through, uh, and, and a couple days later, 24 hours later, and be quiet and pulling through. And I, and multiple times, because I was running the, I think I had the whole BRSCB investigates around calcium reactors going for three months or so in different configurations, different speeds on the pump. And the when I'd go to calibrate the after uh, doing changing out a test, I'd recalibrate the Camore, and it'd be like right on within a mil or, or two mils or something so it doesn't change doesn't vary very often so i, I would say this these are the two levers you're pulling here is uh, uh it's easier to prime if you push water through it yeah it's safer for your household if you pull water through it right true so if you have pride problems getting it to prime for whatever reason with your particular system maybe there's an air leak in there which should leak then at that point but uh, if you're having problems, then just push it through, but make sure you're watching it to make sure that there's not water coming out of it anywhere afterward, because mm. it is outside of your sump, you know? you know? Inside your sump, something leaks, it's not a big deal. Outside of the sump, it's a bigger deal. So if you're gonna push it through, just make sure to check for leaks, uh, you know, periodically. Uh, you know, and they sell those things like the little watchdog water alarms and stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, you can buy a Home Depot, it's 10 bucks, and it's a little sensor you send on there, and it sends off an alarm, like a fire, <laughs> fire alarm went off in your house if it ever detects water. So if you're gonna push through it, spend the 10 bucks on one of those is a really good idea. All right. Uh, all right, so then uh, the CO2 canister and regulator will uh, set up. So again, this is the CO2 can canister and uh, you're just going to screw your selected regulator uh, onto the side of it. And so 
there's a couple of different things you're going to do when you do that. Uh, remember, you can remember the actual steps in, or the order that you do them. As far as as far as getting gas through your this specific CO2, yep, so you crank this one all the so way down. Crank right? it so mm -hmm. that it's all the way open. In that, I it won't. Uh, it's not pressurizing the actual uh, regulator itself. So okay. it, it's at zero. Even, oh, okay. So no pressure. There's no pressure. It's at zero. So basically, if I had this thing screwed in, the more I screw this in and tighten up that, uh, or open, uh, tighten up this uh, regulator here, I'm gonna. See, I'll see an increase on my psi, and that's the psi that it's allowing through my regulator. Mm -hmm. In which case, uh, if I have this thing have any type of pressure on it and I could just crank open my CO2, there's a lot of pressure in here and it pegs this, it pegs that regulator so quick that it, it can break it inside of it. Yeah. yeah. So regardless, make sure you follow the actual instructions on this regulator or any of them when you're setting it up uh, because they may have some very specific steps on what you need to do yeah. when you open up this valve and let the pressure free. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. yeah, so make sure that you absolutely follow the instructions, but it is definitely start all the way one direction and then slowly turn it in until you get the pressure you're looking for. And the pressure really kind of depends on your specific system. Mm. Uh, the or, or the uh, reactor you bought, it depends on your check valve that you're using. It depends on maybe the regulator too. And I've seen, you know, we went looking on, online and we've seen people as low as like three PSI and you run it at like 15, right? Yeah, um, there was sometimes a check valve, depending on the check valve that you, that you have, sometimes they're a little harder rubber seal in them, sometimes they're not. This is the check valve that comes with the uh, carbon doser one. And I found that uh, I'd come back sometimes, I'd come back at times, and uh, if I had it down at 10, if I had 10 PSI coming through here on my pressure, uh, it just wasn't enough to push through the rubber seal inside of the check valve, in which case I couldn't get bubbles to come out of here. So I had to give it a little more pressure, a little more oomph to get through that check valve. So just for your reference point, this is the check valve on this thing. And so what it's designed to do is make sure when the uh, uh, reactor is pressurized that it isn't pushing water up into the regulator, which would ruin it. Uh, mm. And so, especially because it's salt water, it will, uh, even if it doesn't <laughs> ruin it that second, it will ruin it later. For sure. So there's a check valve in here that makes sure that you know only air goes this way and water doesn't go this way. And a check valve does have a certain pressure that's required to break it. Yeah. And uh, by break it, I mean break the seal uh, intentionally. And so at this one, I had the same problem where I needed to make sure that like, I turned it up just a little bit past where the regulator actually said yeah. to be able to break this thing reliably, otherwise it would get stuck. Yeah. So some people you want to play with around with that a little bit. Uh, you know, I would definitely read the instructions. I know all of the octopus ones, I believe, recommend 10 PSI you know, for the, their systems. And again, depending on how you set it up, you can be pressurizing the actual uh, uh, reactor. Oh well. yeah, we saw that at uh, Reef Palooza in New York this last weekend. Oh, yeah. uh, he had pressure buildup in his in his reactor for some reason. I think yeah. it, uh, for some one of his setups, I think it was whatever regulator he was using, uh, mm -hmm. malfunctioned or stayed on or something like that. Pressurized his system off. and blew didn't blow just the screw portion of the whole calcium reactor off. 
it actually broke, a, it was so pressurized it broke acrylic. And rather than, which is, I mean, it says a lot about the build quality of this thing where it's not, it's not the joints that are glued in and all these other things, it actually broke the acrylic portion. Yeah, so that's a good, another concept to think about when you're deciding to like push or pull. Mm. If you are going to pull, I've essentially put a pump on the back end, which allows the thing to pressurize more easily, right? Mm. If I push into it, even though there's a, like a needle valve or sometimes there's some things on the outside, uh, the pressure would actually just squirt out more fluid. Right. Maybe bad for your tank, but you know, it won't pressurize safer the actual for that system. Portion. Yeah, true. So you're balancing it safer for the tank, Less chance of a catastrophic blowout, <laughs> you know, one or the other. Uh, so, you I mean, know, I, I would definitely think things. about pushing through if I had it, uh, a calcium reactor mounted like somewhere over my sump or somewhere above water. Where if there was a, a leak somewhere, it's leaking. I mean, back this thing isn't going to only hold so much pressure. So, but, True. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. I would absolutely right. think about that. Uh, so then you just set this guy up once you get it to the right pressure. Then I would start this thing off and you know just pick a bubble rate and slowly turn it down. And so what you'll notice on your pH reactor or regulator is it just stays on all the time. And uh, we want to turn it until it just starts to turn off and then turn it back again. So it's just allowing just a little bit more bubbles by natural than yeah. you would have with your yeah. you know, regulator. And even if you don't have this thing, it's the same thing with the needle valve. Because I'm going to tune the needle valve back so it allows just a little bit more air than my controller would normally allow. So if the controller were to ever go kaput, then uh, the needle valve would be the, reg the safety mechanism. That's that's the really the main point here because a lot of people be like, well, I can just turn this thing to less than a, a bubble a second, in which case it's just pe feeding a whole bunch in there. So my CO2 regulators uh, or my pH controller always has my CO2 regulator off. But when that fails, or if because I mean everything fails, but if that were to fail, when that would fail. Uh, this is set to a whole bunch of bubbles and with no nothing to shut it down. In which case, you're sh shooting CO2 in there. So that's another good or another good thing, man, to talk about actually is when you're evaluating whether or not you want to have a uh, a a apex or you want to have like something simple like you know one of these guys, these Milwaukee guys right here. If you're deciding between one of those two things, another thing that's cool is if you're monitoring the pH of your tank and say something catastrophic happens and like multiple levels of, of failure yeah. happen, well, now I can turn off this pump, right? Which is another good reason to have a feed pump instead of like doing a siphon or, or whatnot. Off the, or manifold. Yeah. Maybe. And so, or off of manifold, mm -hmm. is with a feed pump, uh, especially one that pinches off the tube the way a peristolic pump does, is I can now turn off the feed. And so if the pH in the tank ever goes too low, kind of indicating that there's something went wrong with the reactor, I can shut off water the whole thing, right, done. Now yeah. I've shut off the CO2, I've shut off the water, like, you know, it, like everything could fail and it wouldn't <laughs> matter anymore and I could catch, catch it. So really uh, one of the best things to, to do is, is run a calcium reactor on a full controller. It just gives you way more levels of redundancy. For sure. All right. Uh, I think so we, we did the re regulator. We did this. Uh, we checked it out. Checked out. Uh, we talked about. Dozer. Basically, yeah. all we have to do is put this thing in a, in, into commission. Get it uh, working. Well, so I mean, I don't know if we're gonna actually get it running here, but no, right, right. live. But like the next thing that I would do is so it's, we got our pump on. We got our CO2 regulator, and we know in our case what our what, what our consumption of two part is is go over to that guy's uh, awesome calculator. It's called Calcium Reactor Setup Help. Yep. 
right? And I can just put in a couple of different fields in that thing, and it will tell me the exact flow rate I need. So in this case, what I did is I, I told it that I have a 38, a 35 dKH coming out of the reactor. Which we know because we yep. tested it with the exact same media, exact yep. same calcium reactor at a whole bunch of different pH set points. Yep, and then we did the, uh, it tell, we know that we used 150 milliliters of, of two part, of PRS two part a day, and then boom, it tells you, go ahead and set this thing at like 20 and a half milliliters a day, and now you'll have matched your old two part, yeah. done. That right, and so uh, what I'll do then again is come back tomorrow, and it will tell me, you know, uh, or I'll measure my alkalinity tank, and if it's dropping, I can change it. One of the cool things that that calculator actually has too is that you can actually enter some information, and then it will recalibrate and tell you the exact dose and uh, pH or, or concentration that you should have. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to change either one. Uh, I don't know if that's necessary in this case because it's just so easy to just add a little bit more, test tomorrow, and see where you're at. Uh, you know, I, I would call this, I mean, this it's hard to look at this thing and say it's easier than two-part, <laughs> but once you set it up, once you get it all like, set up I mean, there's nothing as easy as coming by and, you know, turning a little knob and, yeah. and changing the potent, or the uh, amount you dose every day. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can do it with two part two, I guess, and just crank it over the same way. But uh, they're almost identical uh, once you've set it up properly. And you've you've covered these in refacts already too, haven't you? Oh yeah. Uh, so there's the so many of them. The whole setup, the whole flow adjusting, the whole pH adjusting thing. Yeah. So if you're looking for actual calcium reactor setup help, man, we went through the whole thing in yeah. refacts. Don't rewind this one over and over and try to pick up all, <laughs> pick up all the bits of it. There's full produced videos that are quick to the point and short. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, man. Is it the thing tells us to have a 35 dKH coming out of it? We achieved that with a 6.5 and the two reborn media. And then it says to have a 20 milliliters a minute, which we achieved here. Easy. As easy peasy done. That's it. So that's about all there really is to it. Uh, and then tomorrow, man, you just adjust, you know, and uh, definitely get a Hannah checker, man. Uh, yeah. That's the easiest way. You can do it inside of a minute, which means you'll actually do it. Yeah, so, I mean one. I think it goes up to 20 dKH, right? Yeah, the max. Uh, the max is 20 dKH that it can read the resolution on that. Mm -hmm. So there was times where I was in like those ranges of pH on a calcium reactor where nobody really ventures like 6.2 okay. unless you have like some super high demand and super low oh. flow rate type thing. Uh, but then I had to do like a third and, and or like quarter, quarter. Yeah, yeah, quarter. Two but and a half milliliters, seven and a half. Yeah, water. five. Yeah, five mils and fi five mils are ODI water. Five mils of effluent. Uh, I like fill up a little cup with effluent. Don't try to like measure out five mils for straight from the tube. Yeah. Like the 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 potency of the alkalinity in the effluent will not start to deteriorate when you fill it up when you fill up a little cup. Yeah. Uh, so the, the air is not going to bother it like in the short amount of time that you're testing. So fill up a little cup, then draw five mils, and then draw five mils of That's a good thing to you know just to bring home here is if when you're measuring the effluent of it, that means you're measuring the strength. So just the water that's coming out the final tube here, and fill it up in a little cup and draw it out and measure it in your checker or your uh, test kit, and you'll probably have to dilute it by half if yeah. you're going insane concentration, maybe by a, a quarter, but. Uh, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's just uh, hit. Uh, so, let's some of these questions. Can a trident uh, control a calcium reactor? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but other than I know that uh, he wants to. Uh, so right now, it's it's not it's not like two part dosing with the trident, where there is trident controlled dosing 
in that if my alkalinity starts to go down, it, the Trident can tell my dose doser to increase the dose, and it just makes these little adjustments like day and night, and you can, and it's all programmable in there. Right now, there isn't a function that does that all that automatically for the for the calcium reactor, but some pioneers out there, including Terrence himself, uh, uses the Trident to control different pH set points, in which case it's changing the concentration of the effluent, mm -hmm. and you and he's doing it by the hundredths of a pH point. So like 6.51, and if the alkalinity starts to go, he goes 6.50 or something like that. So you can really kind of play around with it if you're smart on the programming and you got a, uh, a concept, a conceptual, a uh, pretty good conceptual idea of how this works and how that relates to alkalinity and all this other stuff. Uh, definitely for the pioneers out there right now. For sure, though. is going to do it out of the box. Yeah. There's no, there's no, because because it can do it, it will do it. Yeah. And one of the questions I get asked a lot is, can you use the dose uh, to feed the calcium reactor? And the answer is kind of yes and no. So one of the things that people don't really think about is, hey, I could do uh, 20 milliliters a, a minute, but the dose is in a continuous duty dosing pump. So it's uh, on off ratio is like a three to one or something yeah. like that. Uh, so what I could do is tell the dose to dose uh, 100 milliliters a minute and beyond for one-fourth the amount of time. Yeah. And there's two pumps in there, so I could actually run both of them. And in all reality, man, I would still probably suggest using this guy right here because it's just Simple. a, a simpler, you know, probably quieter operation as well at that low so. rate. But like you definitely could, and but and that's an important factor is like it doesn't actually have to be continuous all the time. Mm. I mean, if there was a way, you know, if it was going to dose, you know, a total of uh, twenty thousand milliliters a day. You know, you could do it in 1,000 milliliter spurts, you know, if you oh, yeah. do it accurately. It yeah. doesn't have to be done continuously. You can make some arguments as to why uh, it does it continuously, but like, or why it might be better, but it doesn't have to. You don't do two-part continuously all day long, right? Right. And so, and maybe it would be better if you did, but not that much better, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, oh, one of the other things is you do add a little bit of CO2 to the tank, so the pH generally drops a, a little bit. Yeah, uh, this is why we have in the refugium. Section. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we put it right here. It's going to feed into the refugium, uh, and the refugium presumably is going to suck out all the excess CO2 and just isn't going well, to we, be an issue. We know it has an increasing effect, specifically with like the horticulture-specific light uh, in our Cato testing. Mm -hmm. The difference in pH was astronomical. Difference between oh, in like the actual chamber, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's, yeah. it'll suck up all the CO2. Definitely at night, uh, possibly even during the day with a little bit of ambient light that's in here. So uh, it'll definitely help with it. and, and that's why we chose to put it right there. Yeah. All right, uh, let's answer another question. Vertex, not big enough for a 300 gallon reef. I'd say at 300 gallons, you are right at the Probably. edge of this. Yeah. Right? And so if you're gonna have wall-to-wall -wall SPS corals, like where they're just bonsai together, I'd go buy a monster one. Get a man. bigger one. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd get a super, super monster one. Plus, For yeah, 300 I mean, gallons less, man, this is adequate. Yeah, no, oh, I mean, especially on a system that large, and, and just thinking back to WWC tanks on the 900, the 500, uh, and all of their systems, is they, they don't run a continuous duty dosing pump, they just have the effluent pouring out of the thing and then adjust the pH for the most part. Uh, but on those type of systems, the amount of media that they go through and the amount of contact time that they have, if you have a, the smaller the calcium reactor you're going to have, you're going to be swapping, uh, swapping out that media all constantly. You're going to see it you know, dissolve a lot faster, which then you're changing the concentrations again. 
but that goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. The biggest one that you can fit in your space and reasonably afford, use that one. Yeah, I, I would definitely, anything that fits your budget and is the largest one you can. This one, I, I would just say, I personally like this one a lot just because of this chamber. Like if I were ever gonna design a, 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 a calcium reactor, it would definitely have a big chamber with a small pipe going into the top right here and a small pipe coming to the bottom with a big pipe in the middle which will allow the air and water to separate in the middle and stop a vast majority of the air from getting sucked in the recirculation pump because that's where all the noise comes from. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that is that is the number one reason why I would probably use this guy right here. Uh, also uses a CJ pump which are pretty well known. Uh, all right, uh, if you are using, let's see, uh, Jamie Cooley, if you're using the Apex pH probe in the reactor, should you add a second one in general for pH in the tank? Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, if you can, I would absolutely do that. So you can do it one of two ways. Uh, with an Apex uh, normal uh, or EL, you're, you just have one port, so right. you have to buy the little extra module. Right, right? the PM1, yeah. The PM1. You can mm -hmm. also, I guess, use one of these, you know, pick one up separately. I don't know why you do that, but you could. Uh, but if you're going to use the, if you normal, use it, if you're going to buy a, a calcium reactor setup, do yourself a favor and get the standard Apex plus another probe, right? Yeah. Uh, and then another pH probe, and you can use the ORP probe for the pH mm -hmm. and F2. One monitors the tank, one monitors inside the reactor. So one's man managing the strength of this guy, and one is providing safety for your tank from a whole slew of things, including an overdose or something from one of these. For sure. Now you pick one up. Uh, do you, well, so Harkins Aquatics is asking, do you really need a pH controller if you have a carbon doser? Yes. So I, yeah, basically that's telling that. So you probably could do it without it. Uh, like you said, there's um, ways, there, there's people got this thing dialed in where they know the exact bubble rate, they know the exact bubble count, the bubble size, feeding into their reactor where it gives them this much uh, effluent and DKH and you're not really controlling it by pH at that point. Um, you could, but uh, you know, and that's uh, what a lot of people do is they, I find this one's easier to tune because it's digital rather than turning a needle valve uh, and adjusting my uh, bubble count and all these other things. Like this one is all electronically based, based off of time. So, you know, reasonably I could say that at, I know at nine, uh, bubble every nine seconds, it keeps my tank at this much. And then a bubble at every eight seconds keeps my tank at this much. Um, but just the added layer of redundancy and control and, and protection for the tank. I'd run everything off of them. So you can also eliminate a very confusing component. Oh yeah, for sure. So the confusing component is uh, if I adjust the flow rate up, I now need to adjust the my CO2 uh, up in unison with it to be able to keep the pH inside of the tank the same. Mm. So I'm adding more water, I need to add more CO2. And so there's like this like natural relationship that you can just forget about if you manage the pH with a controller that just pegs it at 6.5. Makes it easy. So can you peg it at 6.5 using this thing? Yeah, but we're gonna have to manage it together and if either one is a little off, then it gets a little off. And so what I would say is that I would personally always use the pH controller and then I would use uh, this as a backup, but you can use a needle valve as a backup as well. It doesn't yeah. have to be this expensive thing. This is probably the, I guess I would call this more optional than this 
for this. I agree. If I could only afford one of these items, the pH controller, the Camor uh, dosing pump, uh, or this thing, mm. it would be the pH controller, and then, and the, then pump, the pump, and then this then thing. Then that one, yeah, yeah. I agree. Because uh, this is the thing that I could probably do without the, the mulch. Yeah, it's a convenience for you. Uh, there was, oh, I like this, uh, Todd asked down at the bottom, um, basically, why, so we're hooking this up on the BRS-160, why are we going to, he missed why we're not going to continue with the Triton method. Oh, so we're switching the tank over to the BRS hybrid method, most of which we've already done. We just haven't gotten around to switching over to the calcium reactor. Mm -hmm. uh, and like in the hybrid method, man, you could really actually use two-part if you wanted to. Uh, in this case, you know, we uh, they all use calcium reactors in every one of their systems there. WWC, yeah. Yeah, and you know, we use it on the, the one up in the XXL 750. He used it on his home tank. Yeah. And you just want to get more experience and share more stuff with people. Essentially, the 160 is just a giant. It's been test an tank. ongoing experiment. Yeah. yeah, you just get to see and watch. And then what what happens is if we put it on here, also, you know, a few weeks from now, you'll hear, well, you know, you know what we learned, uh, and yeah. you get to hear and experience that, which yeah, is totally true. different than uh, reading some bullet points on the packaging or something. Yeah. So. So it's nothing, nothing against the Triton method. Not the Triton method worked for us for. Oh, we almost had it up for another year, year and a half, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, we had, and then we had Zeovit before that. But this is. But then we also said that uh, stop changing things on the BRS 160. That's what we learned out of all of this. Where we're turning this one into the hybrid, where we remove the sand, and we're swapping a few things out here and there. So, hey, this thing will probably always be a test tank to some yeah, degree. Yeah. So always ebbs and flow in uh, the success that we're having because we're constantly changing things. So you guys can see not only watch it happen, but also you know you get to see like our opinions on what happened, you know, which is, uh, you know, something I, I think is pretty valuable. Yeah, hopefully. I agree. So, uh, yeah, so nothing wrong with the Trident method. Trident method for me is uh, still probably the best two-part you could use if you're using a refugium because it's like the only one that addresses the trace elements that are uptaken during uh, with the refugium, probably also an LG scrubber. Uh, yeah. and, and with the four liter bottle th set that they have coming out now or that they just came out with, um, using the same math that we did for all these other ones, that one works out to about like $21 a month. It was actually way cheaper than most of the other retail uh, two-parts really out there. And it wouldn't seem like that because you're only getting one liter things, but they're just way more concentrated than the other one yeah. options out there. Yeah. So the fact that it's actually cheaper than most of the other two-parts out there was super surprising to me. And uh, if I was going to use a commercial two-part uh, and I had a refugium, man, mm. You know, that's probably what I'd use. Yeah. Now, I mean, what's the benefit over the BRS Pharma, which is $3 a month? I it, better, uh, it has trace elements. It's concentrated. Yeah. I like the concentrated portion because uh, we were dosing 150, 160 some mils of two parts of the BRS 160. And then when we switched over to the Triton, it was like 50 mils uh, because it's so concentrated. So yeah, it was super. Yeah, it was really, really low. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, that's wet, less wear and tear on your pumps. Yeah, uh, that's less fluid sitting around. Less, yeah, exactly. Like, I Means it worth uh, the 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 you know, seventeen dollars a month? <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind know. of a value mix for each yeah. person. All right, uh, all right. Would you recommend shutting the calcium reactor off when dosing Kalkwasser at night to raise the pH? Uh, I don't think that I'd get that level of complexity when you're like, you know, just kind of swi switching Flipping, things on yeah. and off like that. There's just way more opportunity for failure and, 
forgetting things when you adjust them at later times. Mm. So, you know, the, the best thing I would do is if you're going to use Kelkwasser and the calcium reactor at the same time, I'd get the most use I can get out of my Kelkwasser as possible. So, you know, fully saturate to the best mm. of your ability, the like auto top off water and just dose that. And then use my calcium reactor to make up whatever's left over. Yeah, I agree. Right? Uh, it's probably the cheapest method. And uh, yeah. I've seen a lot of the SPS, so uh, a lot of my friends who are growing a big, you know, five, six hundred gallon system in the garages and friends with big tanks that were running calcium reactors, they all were using Kalkwasser in their ATOs still too. They'd fill up like a 20, 30 gallon tank or what have you with Kalkwasser and use it as their ATO. Buffer the pH for one, and then uh, Kelkwasser you know. is one of the only ways to add calcium alkalinity like that easy. It's super, it's like probably the cheapest method of doing it. Takes the like, little bit of hit off of your calcium reactor as far as working. Balance, you know, probably yeah. balances it. So it definitely helps with the pH. You know, if you're not going to run a refugium or anything like that, yeah. you know, uh, I've heard people considering. You know, dumping the effluent into your calcium reactor, or your, uh, I'm sorry, skimmer. into your protein skimmer, mm. uh, in which case the air-water interchange in there should gas off any excess CO2 and bring balance with the atmosphere around it. Uh, my feedback is you might end up cleaning your pump a lot more if you're putting that level of high calcium Just alkalinity into in it. Yeah. yeah, that's my guess is that you'll the pump will bind up more often, but it could actually, maybe it's worth it, you know, to have a uh, high pH, a uh, higher pH in your tank all the time, and then every three months have to clean my pumps instead of every six or whatnot, that might be a, you know, trade-off worth doing. Yeah. And really, I'd be more likely to do an AC pump where the tolerances are like a little looser yeah. uh, than on a, a DC pump where it's probably going to jam more often, and that's a pretty blanket statement, but... I might, I might look into that anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll answer a handful more of these things, man. We'll call it a day. All right. Yeah, Joe, Joe's got a good question. Uh, is there a way to remove the phosphate from the reborn media? All right. So, I'm kind of brainstorm this one a little bit. I, mm -hmm. You know, it's if you think about, uh, say, the Pukani the rock or these ocean, you know, uh, mined rocks that we used to get for the aquariums and stuff like that that would have phosphates and just dead organics and stuff on there. Not far-fetched from what's, what we're grabbing here. I mean, they're basically just sieving out different sizes of, uh, you know, sand and coral straw and coral skeletons and stuff from these really sandy, rocky-type areas, um, putting it in a jug and sending it on its way. So could you cure it like you could cure rock? Uh, that probably works to some oh, degree. Possibly you could bleach cure it. Yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if all that stuff would work. It's probably bound up, actually, you know, in, in the, the skeleton. actual, yeah as you melt it. So uh, definitely we talked about putting uh, the uh, Brightwell little uh, cubes of uh, export yeah. media in yeah. the second chamber. Uh, the reason we're talking about those Brightwell ones is kind of like, you know, they're kind of coated in a dust of GFO in a pore network that makes it all available and allows water to flow around it. So it won't turn into a big, you know, clump because it normally needs to tumble to not turn into a big clump. Yeah. So in this case, that, that might be a good option. We haven't tested it or anything, but uh, we also haven't tested like what the overall effect of how, uh, like, uh, how much it adds phosphate to your tank. Yep. Uh, is it a little? Is it a lot? Is it noticeable? Yeah. I don't know. It's probably a noticeable amount of yeah. phosphate going into the system from that. I, I, you know, it depends on the media again. 
And again, like, I don't know if anybody knows the guys over at Elos, man. Bug them about why they don't still, uh, or call, uh, I don't know if Coral Views to represents those guys anymore. Mm. But, uh, uh, but I'll bug the Elo guys, man, about selling that, that one media that they've got, is synthetic. They've got Dash Taco uh, type oh. media out, All too, right. that's a... One I didn't get a test, uh, but uh, mm, supposedly a higher quality type of media, same, similar to I think so what Elos used to make or what yeah, have you. But to get a synthetic media, uh, I think that would absolutely be a good option to that. All right, uh, what is the best process to replace media in the reactor? So the guys over at Worldwide shared that they top it off once and then they dump it out. So yeah, so basically the. This is these uh, these medias are going to go down, uh, especially specifically in the main chamber as it gets dissolved. Uh, you're going to see that that level just slowly go down over months or however Particles long. Particles will get smaller yeah. and smaller as they eat out uniformly. So that means uh, I can just dump more on top, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, but so, as that continues to get smaller and smaller, then uh, if you continue to top off and top off and top off the old stuff that's still there gets smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where it can start clogging things. Yeah, so there's a point where you don't want all those small little bits in there, and so when you reach that point, so I think that's a reasonable thing is to say is top it off once, you know, you can you can monitor. They're using the, uh, the Carib C, so it mm. might matter the type of media you're using. I'd visually look at it and see how big this stuff is, but as it gets smaller, uh, just toss it out, yeah. you know. So there is a point where you just want to get the little bits out because you're going to cause more problems and then it will help. And maybe you just use it until it causes your problem and then you understand that's where the point is, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that might be a, not the greatest idea. But and then like, dump it out, rinse it, add more media, and go again. Yep, there you go. Uh, so do you know if there's any concern about using steel CO2 canister versus aluminum? You know, the one thing that I did uh, find out is there is such a thing as food grade CO2. So I don't know about the steel versus aluminum question. Uh, you know, it's just causing the air here. You know, the aluminum won't rust. Uh, you're gonna, it's in a neighborhood of salt water. So I'm gonna say right now, actually. Steel will use rust the like crazy. Yeah. Uh, use the aluminum ones. The steel ones are gonna rust all over you. So probably doesn't matter so much as what's in it. I, I don't know that for sure, but I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are uh, food grade. Uh, it's used for food and stuff. So if you can find like a restaurant outlet or whatnot, you can get food grade CO2, oh, which yeah. is probably way different than welding CO2, <laughs> even though that's what most people are using. Right. I don't think it's going to change the universe, mm. but it's pure and been certified as such. So uh, if you really, really, really want to nerd out on your CO2, that's the way to do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, would you want your pH at 6.8? Right. Say you want your pH at 6.8. Do you set your apex to turn on at 6.8 and then off at 6.81? Okay, yeah, I would probably keep it a pretty tight range like that. I didn't read the whole question here, but it's pretty small. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, you're gonna want to keep it a pretty tight range. You know, have it turn off at like a few hundredths of a point. Yeah, you know? I think when I was running the test, it wasn't the apex, but it was the the reef keeper or the reef uh, the controller. Um, but I had a hysteresis, which was the, the amount of swing it would have. So if my set point was 6.4, it would allow for 300, so 0 0.03 of a hysteresis. So it could rise up from to 6.43, and then it would kick on the CO2. And then the CO2, that would bring the uh, this pH down, mm -hmm. and then that could go as low as, you know, uh, 6.37 and then it would shut it off. So it had the, a little barrier there, but I found that three hundredths of a hysteresis space, both top and bottom, 
was enough to keep it steady at 6.4. There you go. So one of the things is uh, every power cycles and moving parts is what wears things out. So you got a solenoid that's in there and it's closing and opening mm. a valve and the more times it closes and opens, uh, the more valves you're gonna be buying. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's gonna, if it opens up close three times as often, it's gonna die three times as fast. Right. Uh, also, even the regulators, like every electronics for the most part, like the more power out, uh, power cycles, the uh, more frequently you're gonna have, it's gonna die. So uh, yeah, I would definitely, Probably keep it within a, a a few hundredths of a point. Yeah, you know, but that's a good place. Uh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go down to one. Well, now yeah, I wouldn't let it swing for sure. Wouldn't let it swing a whole tenth of a point because there's a difference in six point four and six point five and six point three in the concentration of the effluent. Uh, in which case, if I'm letting it fluctuate that far, I could be changing my effluent harder to dial this thing in. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, like just like four more questions here. Uh, let us know how fast you go through the gas uh, cylinders. So yeah, again, like the guy said earlier, like why we changed it here is so we can share information like that. So we will absolutely share share that with you. And you can get big canisters, you can get little ones. You know, yeah, I know some people use like try to use paintball ones. These little five pounders are are probably the most common. I would, th I would how imagine. How long did it last you on your nine? Uh, oh, a long time. I was right. One, I wasn't. I didn't have a full blown SP. It wasn't full blown, full grown out SPS. So it was like medium demand or so. And I don't, I don't think I filled it like but one time in like two, two years that it was set yeah, up. So a long time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, it's 20, 20, 30 bucks a pop when you do it. So it's yeah, I've not heard people cost. change them every six months or something like that. So it's kind of thing. Like I have two protein propane tanks at my house. So like when one goes, you know, I can, I can bring the back one. There's always one full yeah. in my house because. I inevitably uh, always run out in the middle of whatever <laughs> I'm cooking. You don't want to run out here, so like, uh, make sure that you just have that extra one. Yeah. Uh, all right, do you suggest starting the tank with a calcium reactor? Is it fine until you need to dose? This is what I'd say mm -hmm. is uh, you can do anything you want here. Yeah. Uh, if you know you're going calcium reactor from the beginning, just start it from the beginning because stability and what you're going to want, you want to learn when there are no corals in the tank. Yeah, for and sure. You, you know, you're supporting uh, calcareous algae like uh, coralline algae and whatnot. So learn during that point, the little bumps and stuff that you're going to figure mm -hmm. out and you know your equipment set up and whatnot. If you're going that way anyway, do it then. Uh, you can also do it later. Uh, in this case, I, I would say a tank like stability but this isn't really, you know, that life changing to the tank. It's just that maintained early the same on levels. For sure, yeah. Too, yeah. All right. If you were uh, a calcium rack, if you were to do a calcium rack on a budget, how would you do that? Well, uh, man. I mean, the most budget you could, somebody could probably build one of these things on their own DIY wise. Like, if you're going super ultra low budget, like we've brainstormed about how to make me make one out of a five gallon bucket. But you could probably make them out of that. I, we've talked about making them out of like big, you know, PVC, PVC fittings, fittings and stuff. Yeah. But you, you actually, man, the reactor is like one of the cheapest things in the whole thing, <laughs> right? Uh, so, like, if you go actually look at what like a cheap octopus reactor costs, I don't know if the reactor is actually the place to save the money. And it's mm. all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, so... Uh, so, I mean, you, there's other ways to feed it. Like, if you want to utilize uh, your return pump to feed your calcium reactor, since you already have a return pump, manifold off your... You can man, definitely manifold off and use a ball valve. We had we had a port set in here for something like that uh, when we first were plumbing it. I'm going to give you bad news, man. I, I'm going to say, don't do anything you can't do well. 
So if you're going to do it super, super cheap, expect problems. And I don't want to give you any recommendation that I know <laughs> is going to cause you problems. Yeah, you true. know, so like uh, there isn't a lot of advantages. Like if you're a gear junkie and you can't buy any of the gear, then what's the point? Yeah. Right? Because the two part man or kelk washer and stuff is just so much easier to do. It works up uh, to the same levels. If it's not way further. cheaper. Yeah. If you're on a budget, it's way cheaper. Uh, but I guess, you know, if you're going to really try to do it cheap and you want to defy that because doing it cheap and having gear is the what makes this a hobby for you specifically and you want to defy my advice, I think I'd buy the cheapest reactor I could possibly buy. I wouldn't save on the build of that thing. No, 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 no. Uh, then I would probably, you know, use a gravity fed, which I just hate. I mean, you, you could go as There's cheap so many as ways I could go wrong. The Maxijet like 1200 with uh, some push connect fittings on it. Yep. I mean, you a little. 1200. That's like a 12. That's like a $15 pump. No, no those are more expensive yeah. nowadays. They're like, like 40, 40 man. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, like, out of 37 or something, mm. anyway. So, yeah, you get a 30 $40 pump to feed it and then just use the needle valve and then, you know, skip the carbon doser and, uh, you know, you're gonna have to really have monitor to the, yeah. you know, the, the the relationship between the carbon dioxide and the flow rate, and that may be fun for you actually. You know, if uh, do-it-yourself projects are cool, like really understanding the chemistry of how each one of these uh, you know, reacts with each other might be the coolest part of the whole hobby for you. But be prepared; it's just a lot harder, and there are more things to go wrong over time. Mm, uh, true. Uh, like get clogged and interfere with each other and less notifications of when they go wrong too so it's yeah, not like so how long would it take for you to notice if one of those things went wrong is the biggest question you know, budget doesn't mean better and doesn't that also doesn't necessarily mean the best or good like good yeah. enough is a tough mentality to i try have. to when i say budget man, i just try to think of not like uh, how much money i get to spend like how much money i got to spend to do this well yeah. Right? And then I can do two-part well for almost nothing. For a long time. I mean, I can do two-part well for three bucks a month and just pour it in. Yeah, that <laughs> you was know, easy. Like, done, right? Yeah. A dosing pump now, like, you can get a three-headed dosing pump for pretty cheap, man. Uh, BRS parts, 80 bucks for two of them. It'll you take know? you to that that dream tank that you can brag about to all your friends. Yep. Uh, without all the gear, without all the expense. Yeah. All right, next one. Is there a way to calculate the flow rate through compared to the amount of two parts they've used before? There yeah. Yeah. Calculator for it. Yeah, you did a video on it. Yeah, I have a, re a video on it. It's a J. Deke's uh, calcium reactor setup help oh, guide. Yep. You can Google his calculator. You can search for our thing. I did a video on it because it's not like the most straightforward thing. It's definitely you know designed for uh, the nerdier. There's the some bunch. math. There's some yeah. testing involved. But, yeah. Like I just after you know the few things that are supposed to go in this field, like oh this is easy. But it's just a little helpful to have somebody point them out. True. Uh, so there's actually a Google calcium reactor setup help. There's a left side and a right side. Uh, and on the right side is a, a little column that tells you, based on your two-part, this is what your start, starting way you should set up the reactor. And then the other side is adjusting it. So if your tank is this, and then after 48 hours it's this, and the alkalinity of your uh, effluent is X, adjust it to this. Yeah. And it just tells you two real precise numbers, no garbage, you don't have to understand. Just enter the fields right, and boom, you've got the right equation. Where to start? 
All right. All right. Well, we wrapped up all the questions. Thank you all very much. And uh, I don't know. There's like fourteen dollars worth of free coffee for Randy yeah, tonight. So, for sure. Uh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That's uh, just a little coffee. message that you guys appreciate what we're doing. I don't know. Uh, I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, see you next week. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. Peace.